104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Hello, how are you? It is Ned Talk, our local live sports talk show, our effort at sports. Let's put it that way. I'm Joe Weston, your host. As always, Ned Brennels is with me along with Josh Roberts. Ned, how are you? It's just a great day in the Ozarks. It always is. It would be a little bit better if it rained, but this is not a weather show. So We, yes, we talk about we the weather to start out the show, but uh, we, we are a sports show that mentions the weather pretty frequently <laughs> saw the weather though we're supposed to get a break at the end of the week is there going to be rain yes that is according to a five-day forecast on my phone but uh my <laughs> phone's a liar so you can never trust i it. will tell you a personal situation is i just i can wait forever to see what my water bill is going to be <laughs> right whoa exactly Josh, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's a little too hot out there for me, but it's all right. You are our sharp-dressed man today. You win the sharp-dressed award. Thanks. We got a couple guys on the IR again today, uh, and, and lame excuses, I think. Yeah. Blake and plantar fasciitis were the My excuses. My hurts. Were the, were the excuse to not be on the show today. I think it's something to do with the three of us. Yep. I well, if you okay. guys, if you guys were shower, we wouldn't have any, hey, any problem. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. All right, let's... Uh, Showers let's, are for let, quitters. Let's, let, let's dig into a conversation I've been thinking about all week because when you see the amount of money that's being tossed around in Major League Baseball and the amount of money that's being tossed around in college football, the amount of money that's being tossed around everywhere, almost everywhere in sports, and people are walking away and saying no... I guess my question to both of you today for our conversation to start out the show is, how much is enough? Well, it's unfortunately not a problem that I will ever have in my life, <laughs> nor, nor will most of us. But you do have to understand the way these whole situations work. You're trying to get an upper hand with everybody. Kyler Murray, for instance, is now the second highest paid player in the National Football League. Now, it's a little bit misleading. That's annual salary. Yeah. And it's a two-year pack that he signed. So he is going to make $46,800,000. Aaron Rodgers is making $50 million a year. Patrick Mahomes is the wealthiest of all because his was a long-term contract. But his annual salary starting this year is only $45 million a year. Oh, Only. How Patrick. much is, is too much Joe, I'm, I'm telling you, there has to be a point of diminishing returns. There, there just isn't any question that this uh, will continue. It can't. Uh, it, it Kirby Smart at Georgia, for instance, just yeah. signed a $10.5 million a year contract to, uh, to coach his college football team. He's a fine coach, national championship team. But my goodness sake, while the rewards are great, no question about that, how much is too much? And I wonder, when you get to these figures, what are you going to do with that amount of wealth? Well, I'm sure the, the individuals who have very good family relationships will establish programs to where, indeed, that money will be continued on throughout their family 
uh, existence and as long as those folks are around, which is fine. That is fine. But somewhere along the line, this is going to come to an end. I, I do predict that when television loses its overwhelming hold on sports, which I think eventually is going to happen, then I think the monies go down. But until then, we have not probably seen the end of it. What are your thoughts on this, Josh? Well, I think it's it's insane. I mean, this is generational wealth like Ned is talking about. I mean, one of these guys gets a $20 million contract and how can I mean, you have to spend extravagantly to spend $20 million in my opinion, and nobody needs to do that. They choose to, that's fine. I don't begrudge anybody their wealth, but the problem with sports and all of that is it continues to grow like Ned is talking about. The only thing that's going to stop it is the ownership, and then it's going to create this huge rift between ownership and players. You're going to have strikes. It happened in hockey. Hockey lost a season because they were trying to agree on a new uh, salary cap, and at the time that they did it, the average NHL franchise was spending 70% of their revenue on player salaries. Mm -hmm. A business can't operate that, that way. And so the average NHL player was making $4.5 million a year, which was insane. So they had to restructure that because otherwise the league was going to fold. It's going to take more than that for the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA to get to that point because they have so much TV revenue like you're talking about that feeds that fire. They're able to pay these quarter-of-a-billion-dollar contracts because they're making that much money. But it can't, it's not sustainable. It can't be. And so I don't know what the fix is because, I mean, as a player, you're not going to say no to a $40 million contract. And of course, your agent certainly isn't because that's how he or she makes their money. Um, So I don't know. It's going to create a riff at some point because the ownership's going to realize we can't keep doing this. The players are going to say too bad. And then something else is going to have to happen. And you can understand a player's argument in a situation like this. <clears throat> As we were talking the other day, excuse me a second, guys. <clears throat> uh, this argument between Live and the PGA, the Live Tour and PGA, yeah. uh, is essentially the same thing. Players are coming aboard. The Live people are giving them extravagant amounts of money. Yeah. Well, you can you can stand there and criticize it all you want, and I will, because I think it takes away from the motivation and incentive. But over and above that, the charge was hurled back at me. Well, what happens if somebody comes along and offers you $200 million to go to another station? Are you going to take it? Are you going to uh, turn it down? Hell no. I'm not going to turn it down. I'm going right. to take it. The money's there. So you cannot blame an individual. But you can blame, if there is a blame, the source. And while the source continues to provide that kind of revenue, the reason that they per- or can do so does not last forever. Right. Let's talk about, let's break this down. First of all, let's say that you're listening to the Ned Talk, your local live sports show, 104.7 The K. Get that out of the way. Let's break this down specifically when it has to do to base, with baseball. We had a lockout this year, which delayed the season. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of acrimony and there was a lot of hard feelings. I know specifically, Mr. Reynolds, I you were one that was like, I this is hard for me to swallow. This is hard for me to get over. The season, they get their stuff ironed out, so to speak, and then the season begins, and the first thing that you hear is that Aaron Judge is offered $336 million 
And he says, no, I want more. And over and above that is Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. That's what I was going to bring up next. He wants, he was offered $445 million and he said, no, I think I can do better. Where are they going to do better? Who are the teams that are going to offer that type of money? And, and historically, what we've seen with these big contracts, if you look beginning with Alex Rodriguez, I mean, you can go back to Reggie Jackson if you want to, but if you go back to Alex Rodriguez, signed a $100 million contract, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh. That's, yeah, that's more money than anybody could spend their lifetime. Now we're talking players that are not even, and you can argue all you want about Alex Rodriguez, they're not. Aaron Judge and Juan Soto are not the caliber players that Alex Rodriguez was in his career. Right. That big salary does not equate to winning. Because what you find most of the time is the team is hamstrung by that salary. It's exactly what happened in Texas. If you look at Bryce Harper's big salary that he got in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. the team is hamstrung by that, by that huge salary. San Diego wants to be a player. But signing Manny Machado has not translated into wins for them. How does this all break down to you guys? I'm going to carry it into a local scene, too, or a little bit more local because we are the Chiefs station. Orlando Brown of the Mm -hmm. Kansas City Chiefs. He is their franchise player, so he cannot play for any other team this year. And uh, his salary as a franchise player is $16,700,000 a year. That's more, it's about three times more than he has ever made in his life. And if he plays this year, and I think he will, that's what he'll receive. But were the Chiefs able to sign him to a long-term contract? No, because he wanted more, and he wanted more years to the long-term. Well, according to the reports that we get, and I have a feeling these are probably very legitimate, Orlando Brown's ultimate goal was $25 million a year over a period of four or five years. And the Chiefs front office said, hey, the guy's a good player, but he is not that good where we have to mortgage our, well, not so much that, but mortgage your franchise, which is a, a common expression, to, for a guy who is maybe not the best at that uh, position? No, we're not going to do it. We'll offer him maybe 18 or $19 million a year but not 25. That's a lot of money, folks. And I think when the attitudes begin to resonate along those lines where some official says, hey, let's weigh the statistics here, weigh what this guy is worth, weigh what his attitude is with the team before you get into throwing big bucks around, I think maybe that'll make a big difference, Josh. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I I just, it's unfathomable to me. It's unfathomable to the majority of the fan bases of these sports that these guys are turning down 400 plus million dollar contracts because they think they can get more. I mean, it means one of two things to me. It means that either the owners are making a lot more money than they're talking about making, or we've just entered this era where these guys are just going to push the envelope as far as they can push it and see what happens. But I don't feel like it's going to – I don't feel like it's going to work. I mean, I feel like it's going to backfire on them, you know, and maybe some – well, it's like what Joe said. If some team takes that chance and pays that guy $445 million, they better hope that he can pitch, catch, 
run, <laughs> throw, and everything because that's all they've got. They're not going to be able to afford anybody else. Uh, and and I think you make a very good point too, because after all, these guys are not the the saviors of some team. No. They are they're good players, but they're not the saviors. Are there such a thing, or is there such a thing as an individual who can carry a team by himself or herself and put it on whatever the gender might be shoulders and carry a team to a championship alone? Hell no. no. There is no such thing. Well, the interesting metrics with all this to me is, you know, baseball doesn't have a salary cap. It has the uh, luxury tax. Mm -hmm. And there's tough decisions that have to be made in football. And and I think it's it goes without saying this year, the big tough decision that the Chiefs had to make was Tyree Kill. That they, yeah. I mean, you're looking at a, a generational player in Tyree Kill. I don't think you'll probably ever see another wide receiver that has quite the skill set that he has. But do you offer him so much money that you can't afford to pay anybody on the defensive side where the Chiefs have problems at? Do you not pay somebody to protect Patrick Mahomes, which is your, you know, he's your number one investment. I think he's a generational player, too. So obviously they had to make a tough decision. Baseball, they're faced with a different decision. And, and a lot of these teams try to push themselves up to the table I, I would equate it to like poker where you've got, you know, maybe $5,000 is all you have. And that's the buy-in for the tournament. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what a lot of these guys do. Okay. I'm going to buy into the tournament. I'm going to, I'm going to sign one Soto for half a, half a billion dollars. And I'm Minnesota. Then they got to let people go because they just don't have that kind of salary. Right. And the problem is they have to let talented people go because yeah. those people, the next one are Soto. making good money as well but they can't keep them all and they can't pay everybody 400 million dollars so i yeah I just, which is my it's point. not sustainable that's my point in saying it's teams that win oh yeah one individual may help but is it going to be sure. the savior of your franchise and oh it's not i don't mean to pick on bryce harper here but you look at that story he signed with the phillies signed a monster contract considered widely to be him and Mike Trout, the best players in baseball, he has since fallen out of that conversation. Oh, yeah. And it's not that his skill level is diminished. He just plays for a team that is not in contention, that there's no news there. And when he leaves, what do the Nationals do? They turn around and they use the money that they were going to offer him to sign three, four, or five pieces to come in, and they win a world championship. Right. Well, Philadelphia, I think, is in contention, but they're way back. It's contention for a wild card, yeah. not, for, not for a championship. And Harper has been out now the last three weeks and may continue to be out because he has a broken thumb. But he is the National League most valuable player. What did it do for his team, however? That's the question. Right. And it did not get them into a championship hunt. It did not benefit them in terms of the unity. He's, yeah, I think he's a team player. But is he the individual who be, can he carry a team? And the answer is no, nobody can. Right. There is no, no one such individual. It is a T-E-A-M situation. And in my opinion, you pay, you reward for those who make you a good team, not just the big names. So where do you see this playing out for itself and as far as baseball goes because baseball it's it's an unsustainable model at this point how do you see this breaking down 
Juan Soto is going to get traded. Where do you think he ends up? One of the one of the wealthiest teams, uh, maybe the Yankees, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the San Diego Padres. I don't think the Cardinals. I don't think they would risk the amount of money they still have to pay. Suppose there is a trade. He's not a free agent. Yeah, he won't be a free agent for another two and a half years. Yeah. So you're absorbing his contract, which is huge. And you're having to make a very expensive deal. Is it worth that? The guy's only batting, what, 246, maybe 250, somewhere around there. Yes, he has the home runs, but, hey, where's the getting on base in circumstances like that? Right. What do you think, Josh? I think that this this whole thing is so bad for any team sport, but especially baseball, because these guys are creating an individualist approach to a true team game. And it the team like we we're talking about the team suffers because there's so much money put into this guy, therefore there's so much emphasis put on this guy, so much expectation put on this guy. No one player can live up to that. Mm-mm. There's no one player that's going to be that dominant on any baseball team and there never has been. Even the most dominant baseball players in the past had a team around them. So it's just ridiculous to me. And I don't know. The only thing I can think that's going to break this this whole model is if the owners just say we're through doing this. We're not going to do it. But until they all decide that we've got to bring the salaries down, some team's going to take that chance. It's going to hurt them in the long term. It's just going to be this cycle that they're in. Could you imagine what Babe Ruth, guy like Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, Stan Musial, Ernie Willie Banks, Mays. Willie Mays, what those guys would be making today. They'd be making a king's ransom. And you, you say about no one man can carry a team. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth did with the New York Yankees, but he had Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazeri. Right. He had any number of outstanding individuals there on that team to help him out. They, they were a good team. I'll not forget, though, the <laughs> reporter says to Babe Ruth when he signed uh, – Contract, I think it was $75,000 a year, new contract. Babe, you're making more than the president, more than the president of the United States. Babe said, I had a better year than he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see the same thing going on in basketball. You see it in all sports. And obviously, mm-hmm. Ned brings up live the golf tour. And I mean, money talks. Saw another players getting ready to sign, uh, maybe to perhaps go out and play. Yeah. But it's just amazing to me. And, he, and you mentioned Kirby Smart. We didn't even get a chance to really talk about that. And we'll talk about that for just a second here. Signs a $10 million contract to coach at Georgia. Might I add that that is a public university. Yeah. He is the highest paid state employee in Georgia. And it just seems to be that there's something wrong with that. Well, a national championship means a lot of it's geographic. You have to understand the impact of what a college national championship means to Georgia as opposed to us. Yeah, here in Missouri, that'd be a great thing. Chiefs won a Super Bowl. It was a great deal and all that sort of thing. But in that state... Uh, your state university is is a very important part of the entire makeup of the state. So I think from that standpoint, is the money justified? It's way too much. That's $10.5 million a year until, what, 2033, 2034, somewhere around there? Gracious sakes so, alive. So Nick Saban usually renegotiates his contract about yeah. this time. So he better win another national championship first. Uh, <laughs> here's here's my problem with the whole I, this whole thing in college football. They... There, there was a, a, 
an expose documentary, whatever you want to call it, a few years ago when Gary Pinkle was still the coach at MU. And that that's part of it. That's why I remember where they they did uh, a, this documentary about college sports and how 75 percent of all the Division One schools were losing an average of 12 to 14 million dollars a year on their football program alone. Okay, think about that. 75%, there's 118 schools in Division I football, and 75% of them lose an average of 12 to $14 million a year. And they subsidize the football program by raising tuition at these universities. So, and at the time, they, they used Gary Pinkle as the example because his salary as a football coach was more than the top 40 professors combined at MU. The top 40 professors at MU made less combined than what he made each year to be a below average football program in Division I. That is a huge problem in, in college. These state universities should not be paying anybody $10 million a year to coach football because they're subsidizing it by raising their tuition for their students. Well, university, the idea is higher education. And when you spend $10 million a year out of your state budget that you get to pay your football coach, right. other things have to suffer, namely education, which exactly. is what most of the students well, are there the for. The argument to it is how much of the state funds is going to that salary. Most of it is probably private, privately engendered, privately donated to the coach and his salary. But that still does not justify the fact that he's making at that amount of money at the expense. Now, the argument also to that is, well, are people paying for season tickets to watch the chemistry class or the arts department or anything like that? Well, yeah. And, and when, you, when you understand that the football programs and the other athletic uh, ventures, venues, do help subsidize the athletics, which they do, a lot of schools have uh, directed a portion of their financial rewards to the education departments, then uh, there's a, a right. justifiable means to an end. But based on that documentary, that's only 25% of the Division One schools that are able to provide money to the university. <coughs> but, All of the other 75% are pulling money out of the university to keep their football programs around. Well, you are, you are correct in regards to making money along those lines. Yeah. Yes, most of them are in the red. There's no question about the fact of that fact. The ones who make money are Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, probably Southern Cal to some extent. Yeah. And the reason they do is television. Mm -hmm. They all have their great big television markets that help to subsidize it. What, what did Missouri receive last year? I think it was from the SEC. Get this. Just for being part of the SEC television program, $54 million. Right. Wow. That's a lot. Got to buy you a lot of mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're watching some unknown sport right now on ESPN. When we come back, we'll discuss football as we head towards the beginning of training camp right here on Ned Talk. And we all need to talk to Mike, the intern, tomorrow about our salaries. <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
We're heading towards training camp for football. That means Kansas City Chiefs will become a regular source of conversation around here. We have our first preseason game coming up in about three weeks. It's on a Saturday. We have two Saturday games and a Thursday game for a preseason. And then we'll have all the regular season games for you right here. On your home for the AFC West champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Joe Weston with Ned Reynolds, Josh Roberts. We are discussing a little bit of football, a lot of great storylines going into the season. We've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson. When do you expect the punishment? I mean, I, I, I don't get why it takes so long to do this. Well, and, and to that end, I'm surprised that announcement has not been forthcoming. Uh, why they're delaying it, I, I don't know. Joe, since you do have that computer in front of you. I do. Uh, I think that first preseason game is the Chicago Bears, and I think it's their one road game. It's it's They play three games, they being the Chiefs. Last year they had two road games. This year I think they have one. But take a look at the time because if I'm not mistaken, it's at noontime, which means we'd be at a 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to screw up my uh, other show, <laughs> which I don't, oh, no. I don't really appreciate that. It will be two hours out of my uh, Vinyl Club show. Hmm. Uh, yes, it does say noon, August 13th, Chiefs at the Bears. And then they play um, the Commanders. In Kansas City. In Kansas City. That's a 3 p.m. start. That's and a then, late Saturday late Saturday afternoon game, so we'd be on at 1 o'clock that day. And a Thursday evening game, 7 p.m. So we're just getting our schedules straightened out here on the air. We're, we're just <laughs> taking it. care of all that information while we're on the air right now. So, yeah, that'll be an unusual start time for us. So 10, 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Well, that gets, gets us set for the regular season anyway when a lot of those yeah. games are at noontime anyhow. And uh, we're on a couple of hours ahead of the network pregame show. Now, what was the question that you asked? <laughs> you know, I don't really remember either. <clears throat> well, I asked Deshaun Watson. What a, yeah, Deshaun what, what, Watson. What's going on with that? I think the decision is probably going to be forthcoming here within the next week or week and a half. It's going to have to be because the Browns will be reporting to training camp, just like the Chiefs are later on this week. Right. Well, the Browns and almost all the other teams will be as well. So they do, they being the National Football League, will have to come up with some kind of decision what the penalty is going to be. If I'm not mistaken, I think all the cases have now been settled with Deshaun Watson. Does that sound right? I haven't. I've gotten so bored with the case that I've not really followed it all that closely. But I think there were initially 24 charges 25. against him, and now whatever it is, I think they may have all been settled. If that is the case, that aspect of it is now in the background. Now it's the NFL. And what does the NFL do? I predict that they give him a one-year suspension. That is my prediction. What do you think, Josh? Well, I who I think a one-year suspension is probably a little light, but I don't know. I mean, the NFL has so many black eyes from the way they've handled these types of things. It's hard to tell what they're going to do, in my opinion. They signed Josh Rosen. They being the Cleveland Browns signed Josh Rosen as another backup this week. I guess he'll battle for that starting job with Kobe Brissett. We'll see how this all plays out. Let's just say, for example, the NFL comes back and says it's a five-game suspension. What do you see there? Then I see that Josh Rosen probably, well, one of the two gets a start. And then Deshaun Watson on the sidelines works out with the team. And game number five 
or six, whenever it might be, he's in there and ready to go. He is, you know, we were talking about the highest paid quarterbacks or highest paid players and all that. And here is Aaron Rodgers at $50 million a year. And here is uh, Kyler Murray at 46.8. And you know who's between Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes? Deshaun Watson with that new contract that the Browns got. He's right up there among them. Oh, they're not going to want to waste their money on somebody who's not going to play. So I think it's quite conceivable that he could receive. I think it's going to be a year suspension. But if it's less than that, he's in there and ready to play. What do you think? Let me, I think where I was going with that or where I know is going with that is how do you, how do you think that looks for the NFL? Do you think that's a bad message or do you just, you know, slough it off and go on? Let's put it this way with the, with the female with the female population, I think it resonates very, very badly, very badly. But how much does the NFL, what, what's their, what's the factor in which they base their decisions? I must admit to you, I don't know. So my first question is, on all of these charges, <clears throat> did he plead guilty or was he found guilty? He never pleaded. There was no, I don't think there was really, I think all of it got dropped and it's now in a civil matter. Okay, so there were no criminal charges. It's all become a civil suit. It is civil lawsuits. And, the star and, player has been subject to 24 sexual misconduct lawsuits accuse him of coercive and lewd sexual behavior with two that allege assault. assault. 30 women have reached settlement. Four suits are still outstanding. Oh, there's still four of them. Okay, they're outstanding. But Josh, he says he never did any of it. But yet he has settled out of court with all but four of them. Well, I mean, look, I don't, I, I don't want to be tone deaf on this by any stretch no. of the imagination at all. But it's, it's kind of strange how this whole story plays out. He becomes sort of a pariah in Houston. Mm-hmm. with that team and then right after that right as the texans think this is not our guy and they're beginning to say that publicly then this story hits and it's hard to say i mean nobody i, yeah, I mean I nobody knows for sure what's really going on because I, I do think that there are instances where big stars get blackmailed but this is a lot of people who have come forward sure. in this case and you know the old adage where there's smoke there's fire i think there's a burning building here but this whole story the way that it played out just really unusual to me that yeah, it just, does seem, doesn't smell right it, yeah it does seem unusual um and that clouds the issue of course especially as far as the nfl's stance like how they're going to punish him how long the punishment will be because there's obviously like i agree with you there's obviously something going on there that is uh not good but it's we're we're never going to know the full story. We're never going to know how much of it was true, how much of it was false, how much of it might have been a blackmail situation, and how much of it was legitimate. And so that's what the NFL has to determine is how much they believe and how much they don't, and then what they're going to do as far as punishment from that point. And like I said before, the NFL is very bad at their meeting out of punishment anyway. So who knows? What do you think of uh, of all the... F- People that have changed places this year, who's going to have the biggest impact on their team? Will it be Tyree Kill in Miami? Could it possibly be Matt Ryan playing for the Colts? No, I think it'll be the new quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Really? Who has the uh, the big Russell Wilson Russell. coming over from Seattle. This guy is still a great QB, yeah. gang. Multi-talented, 
terrific athlete, very bright guy. I think I I predict that he has the biggest impact of all. What do you think, Josh? I I'll go with Tyreek Hill. I think I think that's a perfect fit in Miami. That's going to make. The, I mean, they were already a contender. That's going to maybe put them over the top. They're definitely going to have better luck against the teams in their division for sure. Uh, with with his talent, so I think with I think he he with Tua he they've got that's a great combination. I think they'll have a spectacular season. I'm going to go Matty Ice going to Baltimore wherever they're at now. Indianapolis, Indy, Indy. Indianapolis Colts. I'm still I'm I'm aging myself here. <laughs> He's playing for the Indianapolis Colts, and they've got a terrific running game there. So yeah. You know, teams not keying in on the fact that he has to pass every time and that uh, with that great running game, I think that that's the kind of leadership that maybe the Colts need to push them into the playoff picture for this season. Real quickly, guys, Jimmy Garofalo, start the season with 49ers. If not, where does he end up? I don't know. Do I would uh, if he doesn't. I would think maybe the Detroit Lions might be uh, willing to give up and say, "Hey, we're crying, Uncle. I'll take. We'll take Garoppolo here. We need a QB." I think that's a possibility. I think the Minnesota Vikings are a possibility. Oh, really? To, hmm. Just to throw out a couple of teams that do do not have really great QBs, and that's the winning teams in the NFL, the ones with a great QB. What about and the I Bears? Put, hmm? what about Chicago the Bears? Bears, Chicago yeah. Bears being another one. Uh, and I do put Garoppolo in that category. I think with a proper mix of team, he could be a really outstanding QB. Poor Jared Goff. Takes yeah. a team to a Super Bowl, and then... And then you're out. You're out. You're out. You're, you're not out. that good. Nobody cares about you. When we come back... <laughs> We'll talk about the Cardinals, and they've got a little issue as they head towards Toronto. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Done with my duties cleaning the board for the day. <laughs> it's, a, it's just, you know, it has to be done. has to clean the board occasionally. Mike and Jay, just mentioning that to you. Be nice if you did. Clean the board. Help us out there. <laughs> We're doing Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. We're not a cleaning show. We're not a weather show. We talk about sports. And it just came over the uh, the news ticker that we've got here in the studio. And it said that uh, for the series against the Toronto Blue Jays, which happens to be in Toronto, which uh, is still a foreign land, uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt are out. They are not vaccinated. Interestingly enough, and, and I found this, keep in mind that the Major League Baseball teams do not have to reveal that information. The vaccination records are private. That is not for the media to know, unless, of course, the team wants to make it public. They did with the Kansas City Royals when 10 members of that team were deemed not eligible to play. And they went to Toronto. In fact, the Royals even won a game up in Toronto, even with a fractured lineup. Well, we we looked ahead on the schedule after the All-Star break, and the Cardinals have this series with the Reds that is concluding today. 
and then a day off, and then they fly to Toronto for two games with the Blue Jays Tuesday and Wednesday before another day off. And I remembered remarking remarking to somebody, this is interesting. We haven't heard anything about the Cardinals and their vaccination course. They don't have to reveal that information. I wonder if this isn't being quashed for a reason, or maybe they've all been vaccinated. They haven't been. And Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt are two who have not, apparently the only two, and they will not play on Tuesday or Wednesday, will not be allowed in the country. So I think that's a major void for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Does it affect them in a two-game series? Well, yeah, it affects them, of course. Does that mean they can't win? Of course not. The Royals got a win with a fractured lineup up in uh, Toronto. Who knows how that's going to work? But taking your two big guns out of the lineup, I think, is significant. Did you see the uh, game over the weekend, or um, I guess this week, over the weekend, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays beat... Boston Red Sox. 28 to 3. Holy and 28, 5. Was it 5 or 6? Six? 6. Red Sox got 6 runs. What? 28. They had an 11 run inning at one time, and the Red Sox played HS baseball. And you, wow. can, you can understand the acronym. There was one point where the Blue Jays got an inside the park grand, grand slam. slam. The guy hit. The, 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 now this doesn't happen. That's a rarity no, in baseball. That's insane. Well, anyway, whoever the, I've forgotten who the player was hit a fly ball to center field. The center fielder, Red Sox center fielder, lost it in the lights, and he's hey, I can't see it. The ball dropped in back of him. That is understandable. Those things can happen. Sure, but what happened next is not understandable and unforgivable. The center fielder put his hands on his hips and didn't chase the ball. That is at least three balls in the last 10 games that that center fielder has lost in the lights because he lost two against New York. And their outfield in Boston is terrible. It's it's one of the worst outfields I've ever seen. Well, when you stand there and you say, well, shucky darn, I just let that ball go over my head, and you make the left fielder come over and pick it up, well, that's two bases right there. Cleared the bases inside the park grand slam. Game is already, it was 10 to nothing at the time, and this guy said the hell with it. That is a fine... You, you, that guy shouldn't you, be playing anymore. They can should, you they make, can you make an adverb finable? Finable, yeah, that's finable. <laughs> they should drop him if if he's not going to hustle. If he's not putting out any effort, get rid of him. I I'm let him go. Hundred percent agreement. Absolutely, well, that's definitely going to be a kangaroo court thing. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. If the if teams still have those, oh, I think they do. Yeah. Well, you know, that goes back to our conversation that we were having earlier: the dissension that happens in locker rooms over pay scale. Because what you find a lot of times with these teams that sign a guy for a huge contract is the other guys in the dugout, the other guys in the locker room, well, look, look don't weep for them. You know, I'm only making 5 to $8 million a year right? compared to this guy that's making 30 or $40 million a year. But it does create a huge disparity, and that breeds contempt. When you're playing in professional sports, yeah, I think there probably is some level of that, Joe, but... In college sports, where you have players who are benefiting from the nil and other players who are not benefiting from the nil, I really think you run into problems there, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's we'll see that here in the next 
couple of seasons of college football, how that all plays out. But I agree with you, though. I mean, if if I'm doing my best for a franchise and the guy next to me gets a $40 million contract and I'm getting a fraction of that, but my stats are on par or maybe just a little bit below him, there's no way that you can't have a little bit of hard feeling over that. I mean, even if you think think you're making plenty of money, because you are, if you're making a million dollars, you're making plenty of money. But, yeah, I mean, there's no way that can't cause dissension. So, I mean, but at the same time, if that's what that guy's problem is, he's going about it the wrong way. Well, keep in mind, you say dissension, but these guys... They agreed to a contract. They didn't have to. There was nobody holding right. a gun to their head. So from that aspect of things, well, that's what that's what you agreed to. That's what it's going to be. When you have a circumstance in college with the nil, well, you didn't agree to anything. Some auto dealer or whatever the case might be is offering a, a king's ransom for your allegiance to that atmosphere, yeah. and yet the lineman didn't get anything at all out of that. Right. We run into a situation like, hey, babe, you getting a car out of this? See how you're doing with this 800-pound gorilla coming in here and smashing you to the floor, or the turf in this case. Yes. I think it's all really interesting, the economics of all of this and, and what impact it has beyond just, the, it has on the field, the, the way that people choose to pursue the game and what they choose to do. I mean, we we talked about that a little bit. The kid from Pittsburgh who didn't break camp, they held him back. He obviously was one of the best players in, in the Pittsburgh system. And then he didn't break camp with the team so that the Pirates could control him a little bit longer on his free agency. And he, he went to the minor leagues and he pouted. And then somebody finally, or he himself, realized they can't do this, and he just started tearing up the minor leagues and then eventually got promoted after the date for control. I mean, it just, it, it, you know, these a lot of these guys are young men. They're, some of them are even kids, mm-hmm. more or less. And the impact that this has, just the impact that money has on the purity of something that we love, and we look at sports in a very pure way. I mean, all three, I know the three of us do. Oh, yeah. But when you start involving money in that, it just taints everything. It does. I have to admit it does. It yeah. takes away really from the philosophical standpoint and from your perception of the game, the cleanliness of it. Now, I know there's scandals and recruiting violations and all that, but this goes over and above that. I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of this. I'm, hey, that has nothing to do with the individuals. Somebody came along to Josh Roberts and said... You're on our nil here, Josh. Uh, how would you like to drive around in a Mercedes? You're going to say no? Well, of course not. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You you can't blame the players. No, Like I said before, no player is going to say, no, I, I don't need $40 million. I'll take 10 Nobody's going to do that, and you shouldn't expect them to. But the problem is this: it has grown and grown into this, this animal that it is where the money is so big that it's creating all these other issues that are associated with money. I'll do my best Ned Reynolds impersonation here, and I'll tell you, it comes down to one thing. E-G-O. That's right. It does in a lot of sense, these guys. (laughs) You spell a lot of things out, so that's not my full Ned Reynolds impersonation. That was pretty good, Let me do it. it. I'll give you the real thing. It comes down to one thing, guys. E-G-O. There you go. go. When we (laughs) come back, we'll, we'll talk about... 
<laughs> what we're going to watch on TV this afternoon is Ned Talk. <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We finally found out the name of that sport that we were watching. It's Spike Ball. And I don't want to offend anybody that, that is maybe a fan of spike ball. It was interesting to watch. I don't know what the rules are. If you could, if you could email one of us at 1047thecave.com, any, any of our names, actually, Josh, no, Ned or I, and, and explain the rules to us. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. It was interesting to well, watch. Well, it looked as though there were no rules, <laughs> and I wonder if maybe the fact that it's spike ball has something to do with the beverages that they drank. Maybe they were <laughs> spiked. I, I don't know. I, Could be. I, I don't know. They, there's a, a mini trampoline in the middle, and they're spiking the ball off that trampoline. Anyway. And they're far more athletic than I am, so I, there's no criticism of it. And there's obviously, there's there's some strategy to it. I don't know if I'm going to spend the afternoon watching this or not. What about you, Ned? I can assure you that's not going to happen. So what are you going to do this afternoon? Chores? And well, always chores on Sunday afternoon. And, uh, usually, and yeah, I will do some when I get home, but my, my stay at home is very short-lived because I have a, uh, another gig tonight in Mount Vernon. That I have what, are you, what are you doing in Mount Vernon? Beg your pardon? What are you doing in Mount this Vernon? This is a little get-together that another friend of mine has arranged for a couple of us to go down and do some speaking. Oh, really? Well, that sounds nice. It is. It'll be a nice time. Do you clean out the litter box on Sunday? That is one of the chores, yes. <laughs> and the cats are appreciative of my doing that. <laughs> yes, please clean the litter box for us, Ned. What about you, Josh, cleaning the litter box today? Uh, no, I don't have a cat right now. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Do you I'm want okay one? No, I don't need one. Okay. It's okay. All right, what are you going to watch on TV, Spikeball or something else? Uh, probably not going to watch any TV. What are you going to do then? Uh, I'm going to lunch with a friend of mine, and then I'm probably going to... Uh, pack up some more comic books to ship out. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Sounds like a fun afternoon. It I is. myself, I am. I uh, think I will try to find the Yankees game on TV and see if they can salvage this series. They're not playing very well in the second half. What is the uh, Sunday night game tonight? Uh, I want to say... Maybe Dodgers and Giants, Giants or Maybe, like yeah. That. Dodgers and Giants, probably. That should be a good game. If, if that's what it is. If it is, I don't know. They were playing yesterday. I suspect, though, that that enters in. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, I would say that it, you know, not to be East Coast biased, but it is it is probably the second biggest rivalry in all of baseball. Well, I think Red Sox-Yankees, because of the media hype, probably figures into that. Cardinals-Cubs for us in the Midwest is certainly a biggie. Right. Uh, and then Dodgers-Giants. Dodgers-Giants, folks, always has been. Back when I was a kid and they were the New York-Brooklyn series, gracious sakes alive, that was that was really intense because the Polo Grounds and Ebbets Field were probably about a mile and a half or two miles from each other. That's cool. Don't forget that intense Texas Rangers-Oakland A's rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did forget about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to do. Neb will be back tomorrow morning. He will be doing the show with Mike, the intern. We have two weeks off. We're not going to be here next Sunday. Oh. So it be two weeks, and then the week after that, we will be doing the pregame show, as we mentioned earlier. Our first one will be on a Saturday, 
at 10 a.m. I will be here. It'll be interesting to see who shows up for that show because we've had uh, a lot of holdouts on our uh, training camp as we get ready for football. So the guy claims he's got plantar fasciitis. Got another guy who's just holding out. We may have to bring in the rookie. We have to bring in our, our, our rookie, Alex Scott, and have him on the show. He, he, yep. he does a very nice job. So we'll, we'll have Alec back in again. We'll see you guys next, well, not next week, two weeks from today. Download the podcast on our website at 1047thecave.com, wherever you get your podcast at, or it's right there in your smartphone app. Thanks to Josh Roberts, Ned Reynolds, Mike the Intern, Corbin Campbell, Brian Tindall, Nick Fury. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.